Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to CBS Eye on Veterans. For ConnectingVets.com, I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And today we're going to honor, remember, and give tribute to all those affected by September 11th. Now it's rare when an event in US history is the catalyst for so many chapters of global history, but September 11th has an especially important meaning this year, as it's not only the 20th anniversary, but it's also the first time we experience it without military troops stationed in Afghanistan, the first place we went to fight. While there still remains so many unanswered questions about terrorism, today our September 11th show will offer two things memories, and an important healthcare update for veterans. For memories, we'll talk with Army combat veteran Danny Farrar, who's one of the few vets who deployed to Iraq after having seen firsthand the deadly results of 9-11. We'll talk with him about the day he went from his dress blues to camo and ammo, and what he saw inside the Pentagon. And all the drop ceilings are, are, are out. You got wires hanging out of the ceiling. There's anywhere from a couple inches to five, six inches of water on the floor from where the fire department has just dumped so much water. And we'll ask some important questions to get veterans some updates on their health care. It's been 20 years of war and 20 years of toxic exposure for our military vets. So what is Congress doing to help our vets who are dying right now from war-related diseases? Will they ever pass bills that will force the VA to give benefits and treatment for all illnesses caused by these toxic exposures? So far, they have not. So we'll talk to Chairman of the Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs, Senator John Tester. We owe them uh, uh, everything we can do to get their life back to normal. And Chairman of the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, Representative Mark Takana. Uh, this is not health care just for any Americans. This is health care for veterans who put their lives on a line. And we're subjected to environmental conditions that we would never permit for everyday Americans. Now we'll start this September 11th tribute show with Army veteran Danny Farrar. Today, he's the founder of Soldier Fit 
a chain of gyms throughout the Mid-Atlantic that combined the spirit of the military with fitness classes and mixed martial arts training. But before he was a business owner and an MMA fighter himself and a leader in the veteran community, he was a soldier. And after time with the 82nd Airborne, he eventually served in Washington, D.C. as a member of the Old Guard. The 3rd United States Infantry Regiment, traditionally known as the Old Guard, is the oldest active-duty infantry unit in the Army, serving our nation since 1784. The Old Guard is the Army's official ceremonial unit and escort to the President. The soldiers who serve there are often something straight out of central casting. They're tall, they're chiseled, sometimes intimidating, with emotionless expressions dressed in immaculate uniforms. These are the soldiers you see on guard at Arlington Cemetery and drill teams you see marching in perfect unison while spinning rifles with shining fixed bayonets. But the soldiers are also tasked with providing security for Washington, D.C. in times of national emergency or a civil disturbance. And for the soldiers of the old guard, that would be something they would experience firsthand on that sunny, blue-sky day, September 11th. And you guys were like Hollywood. So let's pick up there. Tell me what it was like that September, old guard, and, you know, there's Mackin and relaxing, Danny Farrar. Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy because when I went to the old guard from the 82nd, I, I the part of the reason I went up there was I was like, I, I was dating a girl at the time. I'd met her on AOL, <laughs> back when you had AOL online, <laughs> and I met her in a chat room and went up there, and her daddy was a general, and I'm, you know, go up and ride her in this space, and I'm like, oh my God, like, this place looks awesome, and there's no Joe's like cutting grass with scissors or sweeping water out of a mud puddle. I'm like, bruh, like sign me up, you know? So I, I ended up being listening and going up there and, you know, you called it Hollywood and that's, that's really what it, it felt like. I mean, you were, <clears throat> you were toy soldiers, you know, is how you looked at it. But one of the things that you never really thought would, would come to bear is that the old guards mission, besides being the escort to the president, um, doing ceremonial duties, doing the burials at Arlington, was uh, protection of the Capitol. And, you know, it's it's ironic, and this has happened to me twice in my life, once here and then once in Iraq, but a couple weeks before 9-11 happened, I was sitting down with some soldiers, and, you know, they, they were basically doing, you know, Pokemon, we're toy soldiers, we're not really military, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I remember saying to them, like, you never know. You never know what is going to happen. You never know what is going to be called in. Because I remember back when Y2K was a thing, and I was with the 82nd, we were literally prepped to jump on the mall in D.C. if the Y2K thing happened, like they thought it was going to happen, right? Um, And we were going to go in and do riot control. Like, it was literally a planned mission and everything. And I said, you just don't ever know. And so, you know... Fast forward to that day, I'm sitting upstairs in the off post room. I was an NCO, so I lived off base. And uh, so the off post room is where all the guys that lived off base were. And I was getting ready. I was getting my uniform prepped. We were going to be doing what's called a cordon. Uh, I believe it was the Prince of Egypt or King of Egypt was coming over. And so basically we were going to be standing in line to look impressive and welcome him so he can walk by, right? And one of my guys comes to the door and he goes, man, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And at the time, I'm like, I'm thinking it's a small prop plane. And I'm like, you've got to be the worst pilot on earth to fly into one of the tallest buildings in the world. 
And so I continue getting ready, and we go downstairs, and we're um, in the lobby, and we start watching the events. And you, someone's like, yeah, man, it was a jet airliner that hit it. And I'm like, geez. And we're watching, and you see all the smoke and stuff coming out of the building. You're like, holy smokes. And then we're sitting down there, and we watch the second one hit. And... It's it's surreal for, and I talk about this now, this is so crazy that this stuff is taught in history books now. But, you know, it's surreal because when something bad like that happens, it's not supposed to be caught live on TV. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. you're supposed to see, you're supposed to hear about stuff like that in the back end. And, and really, you know, our news and our media has done whether you want to call it a good job or a bad job, we really don't show like horrific things on the news. Like, you know, it's, we, we cut stuff out, whatever. So for this to happen live um, and you sit down there and as soon as the plane, second plane hit, I, I, everyone in the room, the weight of it hit like, man, we're, we're, we're under attack. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting down there and you're like, okay, well, we're under attack. We're in the military. But, and you wanted to do something, but you're like, bro, this is up in New York. We're here in DC. You know, there's nothing we're going to be able to do. There's nothing that's going to go on. And then all of a sudden, you know, someone busts into the door and they're like, yo, a plane just hit the Pentagon. And the reality of the fact that, okay, now there's multiple attacks. And at that point in time, we, we hadn't, we had no clue about the plane in PA or what have you. But at that point in time, you're like, oh my God, like, we're getting attacked everywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like how many more places are going to get hit? And so then you sat down there and instantly like, and so the unit that the company I was with Charlie guard, we were the, we were the ready company at the time. And so again, we were the company that would be, if something happened in DC, we would be the first ones sent and deployed to protect it. And so, you know, everybody's like, all right, everything's shut down, go get in BDUs. Right. And so, we go in, we're wearing our toy soldier dress uniforms, and then all of a sudden we go from that to you're getting um, told to get in BDUs and grab and grab weapons. And, you know, at that point in time, um, you know, I was a 22-year-old sergeant, you know, mm -hmm. and you're sitting there like, oh, man, okay, we got to get weapons, we got to get drawn, everybody's got to get pumped up. And what the thing that I still think sticks, sticks out to me as much, uh, the most, is just how confusing it was just over official comms. I mean, there was everything getting said from there's a plane coming to hit the White House. There's car bombs going off in D.C. There's a shooter here and, and there. And it, just insane. And we'll be back with more memories from the Pentagon on 9-11 when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. The veteran stories we hear make us proud to be Americans. We took over Bagnet International Airport. But the stories we don't reflect the wounds that Wounded Warrior Project is there to heal. I remember turning my head and out of the corner of my eye I see this huge flash. I remember this guy's body smoking. All of these things began to come back. Now, more than ever, we need to help each other. And with only a $50 donation, you can help get one warrior the mental health services that heal the mind, body, and soul. I went on something called Project Odyssey at a zip lining resort. I don't do heights. That's why I was a police officer and not a fireman. <laughs> so when we get there, you know, we're all strangers. Um, but when we left, we were brothers. 
That's the power of just a $50 donation to Wounded Warrior Project. It's like therapy for me to be able to talk about it. So give what you can today at DonateToWarriors.org. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. For ConnectingVets.com, I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now for this 9-11 Remembrance episode, I recently sat down with an Army veteran and founder of Soldier Fit Gyms, Danny Farrar. He shared his personal story and what it was like to respond to the Pentagon that fateful day and the memories that he'll carry forever. We'll jump back into the part of the interview where he's talking about how surreal it felt to be responding to this national emergency. You know, you get you guys, you get everything issued, and then they're like, all right, we're, we're going to the Pentagon, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, you get up in the LMTVs and you're riding and you're riding out there and you see the people that are in the cars and they're driving and there's like, holy smokes, like it's only, it's happened so rare in this country and hopefully it, it continues to be a rarity, but to see military armed and in the streets, holy and then we come in around, so if you look at the side where the Pentagon was hit, we come around on the backside, and you can see the smoke billowing out. Um, the fire department is there. They're trying to get it under control. You come around, and you just start to, I mean, you can smell it before you can see it, right? And you can, you can smell, and like, it's a, if you've never smelt something like that burning, it is a is a fundamentally different smell than let's say a campfire, like a, a campfire. I think there's something in humans, and I could wax on philosophically about this for days. But there's something about us that likes fire, right? Like, sure, sure. Like I, one of my favorite things at this time of year is to actually have a you know a, a little a little a little pit and start a fire, and I, I can do it every night. I just love the smell of it. That is a fundamentally different smell than the smell of jet fuel and burnt rubber and burnt plastic and people and, you know, just uh, insulation and asbestos. And when you smell it, it's very acidic and it, it doesn't, it's, it's repulsive when you smell it. And so we got there and you pull around and you smell it and then you see it and you're like, oh my, like Jesus, like, and this is the Pentagon, right? This is the armor of the nation and it's got a huge dent in it. And then you go out and we went out and we ultimately sat down and secured the area. And within a, within a very short period of time, they'd actually brought in an erected fence around um, the place. And so then we st- once that was up and set and everything was golden on that end, um, you know, you're, you start to go through it, but you go through this point in time where, you know, it's not um, it's not a pleasant thing, right? But you're sitting there in that moment and you're like, you have to start being like concerned about, you know, if you see a Middle Eastern man walking towards the Pentagon, right? Like now you have to, and when you sit back and look back on that and you think about it, like, man, well, would I have called that out any other time, right? And so you go through this period where, and we did this multiple times, multiple times while uh, protecting the Pentagon, then people ask us, it was a plane and there was no plane. There was no plane parts. That's complete. Yeah. Crime. I was going like, to say, let me pump the brakes right there and ask that question because that's sort of, um, 
the conspiracy theorists, the mm-hmm. Alex Jones out there, the whoever the hell they are on online saying, oh, it was all fake and it was all staged and that never actually happened. And if it really hit a building, then how come this and how come that? Was there any doubt in your mind when you rolled up that there was, in fact, a plane that it hit that thing and that you could see some sort of elements of, of a crash? When we first got to it, no. When we first got to it, I mean, all you could really see on the outside was rubble. So you have to keep in mind the plane... The plane buried itself, uh, I believe it was three rings into the Pentagon, right? Mm. So on the external side of it, you really don't see anything. But as you went inside the, the, the Pentagon, you start to find pieces of the plane. And you start to find, like, you know, the, the turbine engines, you know? Mm. And you find where the, the, the third ring, the final ring where it ended, a buddy of mine just posted this actually, um, was a perfect circle on the inner wall. And that's where the fuselage stopped, right? And last, the last place that the nose cone punched through. Mm. And so I always explain to people like that talk about, hey, it wasn't a plane. Listen, it was a rocket. If your rocket comes with two turbine engines, seat belts, teddy bears, birthday cards, then it was a rocket, right? Otherwise, it was a damn plane. And we walked in there and it's pitch black dark and you can't see for anything. You've got to use this flashlight, which was a, co- a sharp uh, contrast to how bright it was. So it took you a little while for your eyes to adjust. And you start looking around and all the drop ceilings are, are, are out. You got wires hanging out of the ceiling. There's anywhere from, you know, uh, a couple inches to five, six inches of water on the floor from where the fire department has just dumped so much water and, you know, you're, you're struffling through there. And then we end up coming around this opening and ATF, FBI, they're in there. They've got the little yellow placards all over the place. And someone's taking notes and they're tracking everything because it was a crime scene. Yeah. And um, I remember they had, uh, they rolled this individual over and they pulled out his wallet and, you know, and they said, Donald Simmons. And, you know, it's funny that that name has stuck with me for the rest of my life. And so then they, you know, after they categorize him, put his wallet back in his pocket, they're like, hey, you you guys can go ahead and remove him. And he was a big guy, you know, and we rolled him over onto uh, the gurney and then we start trying to move him out. And, I mean, a plane has hit the building, so there's rubble everywhere. So... There's four of us, and we've got, you know, each of us have an end of the gurney, and we're slipping and falling and tripping. And, you know, when you don't trip, the other guy trips. And it's just a constant back and forth. And one of the times uh, we slip and fall, his hand rolls over and hits mine. And I saw that his uh, had a, a wedding ring on. And I'm like, man, there's somebody that's that's wishing I didn't carry this load. And that's what pissed me off. I mean, that's what ultimately made me want to go and deploy and all of that. And what's kind of crazy is that, you know, I never saw his face until many years later. I went up to the 9-11 Memorial in New York and they had a list of they had pictures of all the victims. And so that's the first time I saw his face. Wow. And then this last week where we're down, we're shooting a 9-11 tribute video. And we're down at the Pentagon, me and some guys with the Desert Knights. And uh, and we go to the Pentagon Memorial, and I start talking to him about it. 
And then I said, yeah, you know, I know, I, I don't, I, you know, I never know what he did. Um, I assumed he was like maybe like a groundskeeper or something along those lines, and, or maintenance man or something like that. Because um, he had like you know the, the, those type of pants on. He had like a key ring and stuff attached to him. And we get around, we walk away. We're gonna go try to get photos of the Pentagon for the video. And this older older lady is is on the side of the little circle there, and she's pulling stuff out of her car and. And as we go walking by, she goes, thank you for visiting. And I didn't know why. I don't know. didn't know why, but I was kept on walking. and said, thank you, ma'am. And, but for some reason, something told me, said, it just made me turn around. And I said, are you involved in this somehow? And she said, I lost 20 of my coworkers that day. And we started talking. I said, do you know Donald Simmons by any chance? And she said, yes, he worked with uh, with us in the Navy. His, he worked on the floor below us. His wife, Peggy, I was friends with his wife. And she said he was set to retire the next year. Mm. And for me, I'm like, man, like of all the days for me to be there, for her to be there. Yeah. Wow. You know, you, you go through and you, you deal with, see things and, and, and deal with things like that, and th- then you throw the desire to go ahead, and you, you, you know you want to avenge all of the stuff that happened, and you decide that you want to get deployed. So you see, some of these guys have, you know, some of the guys from there have done one or two deployments, and that's why, as long as you can, as long as you're here, I think if when you experience things like that, you you have a strong desire to try to keep it prevalent and in the minds as long as possible. But I think everyone fights a losing fight with that. And I think that's why people are constantly trying to make up for that time. And it's Army veterans like Danny Farrar that will always help keep that memory alive. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. 
the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.